Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 Play. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Dynamite. What did you make of last night's show, Sidge? Uh, I was very, very entertained without quite being blown away. Mm. It was nowhere near a top-tier show. There was very little that I didn't like. A lot of it, I just had a smile on my face watching There was some really nice thought that went into it, which was just obscured by just some pitch-perfect comedy. And, uh, yeah, it's just... I don't think the power's back, but this was very promising, and it was good for what it wasn't as much as as good as it was for what it was. Easy for me to say. (laughs) There was a deficit of terrible interrupted promos... Um, just wonky, weird goings on. Just felt like tight and more focused mm. stuff was allowed to breathe. Uh, I had a great time watching this. If it wasn't, in fact, a great show. Yeah, it felt like AW got slightly back on track with with this episode. I agree. Uh, do you agree, Michael Hamflet, or would you say to uh, Michael Sidgwick's statement? No, 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 no. <laughs> As usual. Can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> I endorse nothing Matt Hardy says, ever. Um, <laughs> I'd agree completely. It's So I've done the ups and downs today, which you can read at walkcoach.com forward slash WWE. And as Cedric points out, often sort of feels a bit like a transcript of this podcast. But I only landed on one down. And I almost felt a little bit cruel for that as well as I was writing it. Because it was for something that was only good. And we get used to good wrestling. And mm. that becomes a bit of a curse in 2023 because of how much great stuff is out there. Um, I think I needed this dynamite truthfully. It was like I was, this felt like a restoration of my faith in AW's principles and double or nothing as a card. And the fact that there's like, after tightening up so much here, the belief that maybe the next three weeks might offer something a bit more electrifying in terms of storyline progression or how I'd ideally want to feel for an AW pay per view. It felt necessary. I know that's maybe. 
akin to what we'd say when we lower the bar for WWE and the praise that we afford them. But there's just not been that verve to Dynamite of late. And I was just given several reminders across multiple stories that fundamentally this company knows what it's doing. Mm. Like a lot of the root and branch stuff, because that's when you worry about AEW. Whether it's because you need to let it play out, whether it's because wrestlers have an off week, either in ring or behind the microphone, you always want to believe that at the very core, at the root and branch, they know what they're doing and you've got to stay the course. And it's when that feels like it's slipping that you get concerned about AEW. I had none of those concerns here whatsoever, even if the output wasn't maybe hitting the heights. Yeah, we've got uh, three episodes of Dynamite, three weeks on Sunday, mm. uh, double or nothing. And at, right now, of course, Siege, there's only one match confirmed for double or nothing. We'll get to that later on in the review, of course. But it does feel like now you can already predict four, five, six more matches that are going to go on that card that wouldn't be, oh, where's that kind of come from? Yeah, no, it's taking shape, taking shape. And I've got faith that we're going to get some great go-home angles. Mm. One of them still has this incredible mystery attached to it. So I am positive, far more positive than I have been over the past fortnight, which Americans don't like that word. Fortnight? Not remember. Someone called they you bi-weekly, pre- they want. Someone called you a pretentious c- in the <laughs> old in the old comments I mean, section. That feels like it's happened a lot. In but the yeah, old, Fortnite, yeah. Yeah, they don't like Fortnight. Yeah, it means two weeks. It's two weeks, asshole. Just say 14 days like the rest of us. <laughs> So we got the uh, eight-man to start the show. Uh, it was uh, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, still feels weird saying his name uh, in amongst this, Bandido and Orange Cassidy versus the JAS represented by Cool uh, Hanang, Daddy Magic. Who's, that's one of the big losses of losing Dark and Dark Elevation is losing Daddy Magic and Paul White and Excalibur and Taz. It'd run its course for me. Yeah, it. I really struggle to have an opinion on this news breaking in truth. It's like, they're not shows I watch. They're good for the wrestlers, mm. potentially, and they're good, like, showcase places. Were they? I don't know. I like, didn't see much evidence of Dark and Elevation really enabling wrestlers to get on and get their reps and to tighten up and to get experienced. Um, I thought it was a weird workaround. You know what I mean? I just never thought, Oh, they've done great guns on Dark and Elevation. As somebody that only really has the time to watch mainstream output, like there's more acts than this, but off the top of my head, the Outrunners oh. existed because of something like Dark and yeah. Dark, in my purview. Oh, I love the Outrunners. And yeah, like, very quickly. Oh my God. <laughs> selfishly, acts like that were only getting exposure because other people did the work and put them on Dark and Dark Elevation for my idiotic benefit, whereas I could just, like now I'll have to find those again, scope them out, on shows outside of AEW, and they're not going to be found in the Performance Center and places like that. But in terms of the reps of the existing roster, I totally agree. It didn't do anywhere near what it was. What Dark and Elevation was meant to function as, it did not work. Mm. It was meme fodder, and then I think people just got bored of clipping Taz and Excalibur, and it that joke ran its course. But I also struggled to form an opinion, just as a little diversion chat. Before we get on, it's like to a big this. deal, and it's not, isn't it? Yeah. The thing is, as well, it's like I would caution against being too optimistic about. Oh, not doing dark and elevation means that Tony Khan can tighten up his booking because he doesn't have that to worry about. You could book dark and elevation in five minutes. Mm. Mm. These guys need reps. 
this guy needs a win. Put them together. Boom. As soon as the ranking system got abandoned, yeah, the really contrived purpose behind Dark and Elevation just ceased. And now YouTube revenue incremental for a company of that scope isn't necessary now that they're getting collision. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think that it's going to have this major positive impact on mainline TV programming because, as I said, like Dark and Elevation take no time at all to boot. Hotter crowds with less wrestling to watch, like hotter That's crowds a, for Dynamite uh, and Collision and Rampage. Like, But there's ROH oh, Dynamite well. Collision, yeah. ROH should be next to go, is my hot take. That's got to be a concern, though, hasn't it? Is it worth it for, what, four really good shows per year? Has there been a great, great Tony Khan-produced Ring of Honor show? I would argue that the closest he's came the kind of weird downer vibes from this year's Supercard aside, you've never had the AEW pay-per-view audience reaction. Like, I've always found them weirdly quiet. Like, outside of the FTR Briscoe's matches, it's always felt like, for an ostensible uh, hardcore fan product, you don't really get many hardcore fans in those buildings. I've never heard a white-hot ROH Tony Khan show, so who does it serve? Well, the answer really is no one. I think that's part of the problem with them as well. Nobody quite knows exactly what they're watching because they've never not been so infused with AEW talent. You're then left asking the question, well, is this not just another branch of AEW? Right? They've never yet, despite the best efforts in terms of aesthetics and trying now at least in 2023 to keep the rosters a bit more separate... I've never, when you're watching the Ring of Honor shows, I've never yet felt like this isn't, oh, this is like really, really fancy AW Dark. Really fancy AW Dark. Like the, That's the thing. Like I've never, said shook, this, never shook that. I've said this a million times. I will not labor on the point because we've got a lot to get into. But AEW's identity as the catch-all promotion, the buffet, the one with range, means that it just it's completely redundant to have ROH. It offers nothing that AEW doesn't, unlike... NXT and WWE, mm. when it was the Work Rate League, or the first two one-night stands. It's not an alternative. Like your whole selling point for your main arm of the company, your Tony Khan wrestling operation, is you have all of the alternatives in one place. Just get rid. Um, but yeah, it was the eight-man, also featuring Daniel Garcia and Jake Hager. Um, JAS come down, but they wait, and then out comes Chris Jericho. I'm still not sure how I feel about him wearing that T-shirt with Britt Breaker on it. Um, but it all breaks down into a, an eight-man brawl very quickly. Jake Hager and uh, Orange Cassidy get into it. Cassidy hits a DDT, but gets caught by Hager on a dive, gets posted. So Bandido takes him out with a dive uh, and does some ridiculous stalling suplex spots with uh, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker and Drops both of them, I think, take us to a break when we come back. Uh, Roderick Strong got the hot tag. Backbreakers for everyone. Uh, I think he hit an angle slam in there as well on Jake Hager for a near fall. He did. Um, dodges the uh, Menard Parker finish. Brings in Cassidy. Uh, but he gets put in a sharpshooter. Or what's his? Uh, Dragon. Dragon Tamer, tamer isn't it? yeah. Dragon Slayer? Was it Dragon Slayer? Oh. Because it was a Lion Tamer. Yeah. And, uh, One of the two. Yeah. One of the two. <laughs> Cole he comes was in. in a tug of love, wasn't he, between Jericho and Brian for a bit? Yeah. In that few And he made the correct choice by going with Jericho yeah, somehow. Kind of flat to deceive that whole thing, that. Daniel Garcia 
I'm in love with him a little bit. Is it the dance? He's a hunk, and it's the dance. We dropping that on our night out. Yeah, <laughs> of course. He's so good. He's at a new what he heavenly does. body. Yeah, he's a new gigolo, Jimmy Dolray. Except actually fit. <laughs> um, not a mutant. Loads of big moves. Garcia kicks out a beach break. Um, there's blind tags in there. Um, Cassidy and Bandido hit double dives on Garcia and Hager. Strong nails Parker with that jumping knee of his. Cole lowers the boom. One, two, three. Post-match, Adam Cole sprints up the ramp and kicks the crap out of Chris Jericho on commentary, which is awesome. I thought this ruled so hard. Yes, I liked like, it a lot. From an agent point of view, the match was perfect. It was all about Orange Cassidy, the kind of workhorse babyface, which we've come to love in this international title reign sprinkled and seasoned with the best bits of everybody else. Mm. So Roderick Strong couldn't have asked for a better debut, which is weird when you look at the graphic. You think, oh, well, where's the singles match and all these backbreakers? A wrestler of his particular style kind of needed this after such a long break because his cardio makes the wrestler that he is, Mm. makes him the wrestler that he is. He just looked such a danger in flashes rather than having to watch him do loads of stuff then sell a headlock and then make the comeback, yeah. which would have been fine too. But like Not WWE, mate. I think, that, but I think this was better. <laughs> you know, like if this was him and Jay Lethal, for example, which it almost certainly would have been. That's the match you would have got. <laughs> Instead, you got this. Bandido's slot wasn't wasted. Cole, I loved because Cole getting the finish and immediately sprinting, and I mean sprinting to get to Chris Jericho was superb because Cedric's complaints about the creeping in of the likes of the Invisible Wall, I think, were really highlighted here it wasn't an invisible wall it was a real one it was four people making a wall between chris jericho wearing that t-shirt they were on the wrong side of the ring for it but i just think that's where the baby faces go oh yeah that's for the camera but like beforehand when jericho first comes yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, there's a wall of people that stopping adam cole he's like oh bloody hell now i've got to get to the business of this match and then i'll get him and he did exactly that so the profile and the shine was on him just at the right time for the finish um and the brawl with Jericho was superb as well, like leading into the Britt Baker element after the fact. Really, really heated, and you sense that it was held off just enough. There's like another, and it's Jericho as well, there's another heat angle before the pay-per-view that's going to be even hotter still. The Jericho Britt Baker t-shirt thing, I don't know, right? So like, I almost feel like it's maybe not my place to speak in how dangerous, because I understood the criticism to a point but also, I think, is it not a little bit sexist because you're identifying that it's a woman and this is part of the wrestling storyline? Is this not, I broke Wahoo's leg? These t-shirts have existed for 30, 40 years as a way to generate heat. But because it's a woman, there's an element of, we still can't do that. It's like women bleeding and some people crying foul. I don't know, is the answer, truthfully. I, like, I don't know whether, because all wrestling t-shirts that relate directly to storylines look like they're for something else. If you don't understand that it's linked to a wrestling story, I think Britt Baker was tweeting, scissor me, and the one of the blood smeared over the MJF CM Punk t-shirt. as like, well, are these not exhibitions of other things if you don't know the context? I think she's right to make that point, but you don't want to minimise people that do genuinely maybe feel mm. that this is triggering and relates to domestic violence. I just don't know. It's a... Loop of a conversation, isn't it? Mm. Where you can understand both sides of the conversation. 
you do not know how much time to spend on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Is it ultimately a bit of fabric? Nah, not getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> the bit that I liked was because I was ready to... If someone had said to me beforehand, uh, Adam Cole wins the match, then runs up the ramp and attacks Chris Jericho, I'd have been... And I hadn't watched it. I'd have said, why didn't Chris Jericho see him come in and attack him? But like you say, he moved so fast. It's yeah. like Jericho saw the finish, looked down to the ramp and went, oh, cool, Cole's heading this way. I'm just going to make some really salient point, like he did when he got on commentary, like, what a coward that guy is, not getting his own back for, for what happened to his missus or whatever. So he thinks he's going to make some great point, then he's going to turn around and chin Adam Cole and be the, the, the guy. But Cole's gone so fast, he's like, yeah, one more thing. Oh, you know, he's here, Jesus. And yeah. he just gets sent through the curtain. Using my own headcanon, that worked so much. Yeah. There was a report in the Wrestling Observer newsletter several months ago at this point where there was an apparent... Uh, near altercation between Chris Jericho and MVP. I'm not saying what happened here. I'm just telling you or reminding you about the memes and the snarky tweets that were posted in the aftermath of this report in the Wrestling Observer where Chris Jericho, reverting back to 2016, got his scarf back, put it over his shoulder and went, oh, fight jobbers. Walked into an elevator as everyone went. Everyone <laughs> applauded. I don't know if that's what happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But ultimately, if you believe that, then you can absolutely understand that it is within mm-hmm. Chris Jericho's character on screen <laughs> to say something to the effective, and that's the end of that chapter. Like the last zinger before yeah. he gets his ass kicked. Uh, no, post-match was great. It was one of those where it's like, does Adam Cole really want to win an eight-man tag against people associated with Jericho? Or does he want to just get his hands on the guy who orchestrated a scenario in which his wife got a horrendous black eye? My wrestling brain doesn't have that much latitude, as you are all aware. I just about got this. You kind of have to do one thing for the other thing to well, happen. Well, at one point, he did go, actually, you know what, bollocks That's the thing, match, yeah, he did. But then he probably shouldn't. It's weird. It, 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 kind of, it just about worked, is my way of putting it. It just about worked. There were two things on this show, and I know you've probably already uh, tweeted about one uh, that I know were like, peak Sidgwick, you would love this, and I will get to them in, in due course, and I did like the bit later on, yeah, when Cole's getting led out of the arena, and Joker's like, yeah, kick him out of here, and Britt Baker comes in and slaps the taste out of his mouth. Like, he's, I love hypocritical Jericho, yeah, and he's working it in a way that isn't just patter this time. He is, it's, <laughs> it's so typical Jericho that it's Adam Cole, a guy that would have been just fine without Chris Jericho's input when there are so many people that need a proper rub of Chris Jericho that don't always get it. But he sold huge for this attack, sold even bigger for the Britt Baker one. Such a baby. He's great. He's doing absolutely everything he can to get over young up-and-comers Adam Cole, uh, Adam Cole and Britt Baker. <laughs> God damn it, man. I like they're just two pros who know what they're doing, putting what is quietly an excellent story together. I'm banging to this match. I think it's really good. I think it's going to be extremely loud. I think it's going to feel big. Um, I think it's going to do both of them the world of good. Quick note on the match, because I've not really touched on it yet. I thought it was good to very good that it didn't... Whenever you see six or more people in an AEW ring, 
unfortunately, a stratospheric expectation mm. has been set through the body of work of the Young Bucks. Whenever I see a match that doesn't involve them, but has six or eight or ten wrestlers in there, I automatically think, go on, impress me, because the Bucks are just the absolute standard bearers mm. of this genre, and it, it's never as good. This was very good, highlighted the story beats and the characters, as it should have, and had a really fun time. I wasn't blown away. You didn't have that, I cannot believe how much blood is pumping through my body and adrenaline watching mm. this fireworks display, this perfectly crafted adrenaline festival. Didn't reach those levels, but it was very, very fun and very, very functional in a way that wasn't remotely boring. I think how simple it was helps that. Because sometimes, like, if there's an eight-man where the books aren't in it, they aim for the complexity that the young books had, and it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. So there wasn't this attempt to, like, make it more complex than it needed to be. Proper villains, proper baby faces, and a bunch of, like, quite cool singles exchanges rather than those bits where it's like, right, we're going to include all eight at the same time. We don't need Matt and Nick to put this together. And then... You do. Like, 15 minutes later, it turns out you really did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Renee Paquette's backstage with uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Darby Allen. They may not like each other, but they bust their asses to get this moment. Um, they're going to main event their first AW pay-per-view after winning tonight's main event. Uh, it's showtime, says, says Darby Allen. Was this unnecessary in light of their subsequent interaction just before the main event? Because I couldn't take seriously the idea that they were getting another word from... Darby Allen and Jack Perry. You know what I mean? I would have combined all of this into one if remotely possible because oh. there was no need for them to go back to Perry and Darby Allen for a second mm. word, if I'm being very pedantic. That part of it, I totally agree with, but in my head, Canon MJF saw this and was like, right, I need to sow the seeds of dissent. They're closer than I would have anticipated. What can I do to So they've manufactured a second thing. Yeah, okay. the, the second interaction. I, get, I do get it, yeah. I do get it, but that was... No reason for them to go and return for a second interview. No. That's well, that's highly pedantic. Because I did like the the story beat later overall. I love this. Like, AW finally getting into show-long stories. We've had a lot of these lately, and I love mm. it. I think it really, oh, yeah, really so Ever since they saw WWE doing it, they are like, we should get a piece, piece of that action, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tony Khan was on the DVD-R boards. <laughs> Not watching uh, 1983 to 1985 Mid-South <laughs> Wrestling. He was watching... When he was a formative wrestling fan <laughs> in the 90s, Willborn, he was watching 2023 WWE Raw. Is that is that what you're saying? I'm just saying I think Pat Page has influenced Tony Khan for the better. So You are. <laughs> God almighty. I just saw it help the flow of dynamite. You had to say it, you? you did it. Um, so Jericho gets the taste slapped out of his mouth, and then we cut to the Blackpool Combat Club, where Brian Danielson says, and then they remember to <laughs> mic up for a bit. Every Every week this happens. I know. Anyway. If for four years. <laughs> amateur hour. It's, it's ironic because... Is it a meta rib? Look at this buddy of the EVPs in this company. Can't even hear us talk. <laughs> I would be reaching. You know why? Because it happens every week. Four years. They've got the boom mic set to like somebody stirring their coffee and catering. It's like, why can I hear that? And not the rest and of them speaking down the lens. Anyway, when we get to hear from Danielson, he says he's better than Bret Hart. Better than anyone before him. He best is. Best is he, do you think he is? Because yeah. I, I do. <laughs> no, but I get that. That's a good, it's a good debate. Different. People are different. Different <laughs> expectations. Okay. He says he's the best in the world. For a flam. I know you do. 
Uh, he's the best in the world today, and if he isn't, it's one of these men. Um, but, you know, he talks about Hart's arrogance, saying he's going to be better than anyone who comes after him. Amazing that. Really good line, really yeah. good dig. Feels like it exists for a reason, which is nice. Like, there's no in Hart tournament coming. Punk is coming back. Like, Dax Harwood somewhere is, like, smashing up a locker room. Just feels like that will matter in mm. a few weeks, and that's pretty cool. Um, there is going to be wrestlers better than him in the future because of what he's built. In fact, he hopes this little sh- wheeler Utah is better than he ever was. You see Mock's corpse. I love it. It's a class bit, isn't it? It's a class, because that's what he is. Yeah, it's such a good bit. And Utah on the indies was really, really strong as a heel. Like, Did Garcia, really- Iron Man's rolls reverse. Yeah, well, yeah, not yeah. reverse now, but yeah. Aye. Um, so the BCC one, what's best for... Is winner! Uh, they're willing to do anything to make it happen. Um, Moxley says they're all just blades searching for iron to sharp each other. They're not bullies. Higher levels, bigger devils. Uh, there was a time when the elite was innovative, but now he doesn't know. Next week, it's Omega versus Mox. Just hits different. 2019, 2020 may as well have been a decade ago. Feels like it. Uh, every day they get more dangerous. This is a whole new version of John Moxley. You can't wait to show Kenny. Um, they're going to find out what he's all about, and he's going to leave one hell of a mark on Kenny Omega. Head over heels in love with Every single different, really, really important aspect of this promo. I think it was amazing, and I very, very much needed to hear this. As I've said over the last few weeks, Brian Danielson is CM Punk's surrogate, Mm. and it's uh, good because it's Danielson, Omega, and Moxley, and all the rest of the minute. But it's also bittersweet because he... You know, oh, this feels like a compromise. So it's bittersweet because it's a compromise, and it's all a bit... It's not really credible to me because I know what they're trying to do. They've kind of steered away from that, or at least they've made a lot more sense of it. Like, I love how it's a true battle of wrestling philosophies and who really should be running this joint. It's a gang war. Who should be running this place? And they've really got to the the core of Mm. what this rivalry should be. So I like how it's not just... The role of CM Punk will this week be played by Brian Danielson. <laughs> I love how it's not that anymore because that was really uh, preventing me mm. from getting into it. Furthermore, I love how it's a bit meta. People are under the belief that the elite stuff just isn't hitting as it used to do in um, peak BTE or February 2020 or the summer of 2021 leading up to the Hangman page. I want to say the yesterday's news but it is feeling like they've maybe have peaked in terms of their motivation levels, this ongoing saga, and for them to incorporate that into the storyline and like let it be canon is, I think, a really strong idea. And it also makes sense. If you go and trace the chronology, the chronological history of the Blackpool Combat Club, kind of makes not much sense <laughs> because of... Maybe it all went off the rails when some hubristic idiot tried to do a stage dive and uh, incited a butterfly effect that almost destroyed people's perception of the entire company. Not for me to say. But the interim champion business and the need for a top star on Moxley's level to step in, the BCC never fulfilled itself in line with the original plan. They are now going, going... Further down the line now to what the BCC is all about, and that is rebuilding AEW in its image. Too many geeks about, too much bloody melodrama. 
that's the thing. It's almost Shield-esque in how they can slightly tweak their core philosophy um, with the justice thing that the Shield had, this rebuilding AEW in their own image. They can use that driving motive to become realistic, convincing characters and tweak it to feud with different people. Orange Cassidy, he's a joke, he's a dork. Uh, the Elite, respect them. They did great things for this company, but we're better equipped to take them forward. So I love all of that, and I loved all of this, the delivery. That Bret Hart line was a transgression, a modus operandi, all at the same time. Mm. And it puts over you to, it, This is just majestic. And it also puts over in the subtext of we want this company to exist in 10 years. We are prepping Wheeler Utah, who's worthy of this role, and I'm Danielson, and I'm endorsing him. And the audience thinks more of Utah as a result. And in contrast, Omega's like, ah, Takeshita, really? And it's like, yes, it's your company. Now, you're not fit to run it. We're looking out for it in the future. I adored all of this. It was deft, dovetailing promo work. <laughs> it was super economical as well. Because Danielson put over the ethos. So much better, sorry, in these pre-tapes than these live angles. Yeah. yeah. If the live angles can start to catch up to the quality of this, we're in for real feud of the air territory. Sorry, bloodline. Well, like, the ethos of the BCC was re-established through Danielson. Omega later on was kind of, I think his promo setting up the Moxley match wasn't as effective as his kind of, like, hidden exposition about the, the wider yes. story of the elite. But that's okay, because Moxley was there for that. Yeah. Like, his bit of this, Christ, elevate. You know, we talked about the four pillars and how, like, one of the really fun things in the early days of AEW was seeing, I specifically remember the MJF Jungle Boy match mm. where you felt like you were February gonna, 2020 you're going to track them from that to I don't know TNT title oh mid card whatever <laughs> and then we'd be here in 2023 and they'd be main eventing they are but that road's been more winding than I think we thought it would be Moxley made you feel like him and Omega is this 20 just, year legacy started, and that they're just getting started like this epic that you had to be there for because it's like yeah, they're like, they've had wars, but you've, you ain't seen nothing yet. And you believe it from Moxley. Me and Sidra can talk about this. You ain't seen nothing yet because Moxley has only just discovered himself now, like, which is incredible on its own terms. And the way he built up this, like, I love it when wrestling matches are built to be, well, join us next week for the end of the world. And, like, uh, you forget that it's weekly TV and that this never, ever stops because the world ends in that cage match. And I really feel like it will. I think something big is coming next week. And these Moxley-Omega matches typically have been tied to something big. And Moxley sold that because Kenny kind of had to get on with the business of other stuff. And I, I just thought that was superbly done here. John Moxley is a prophet, but we will drill into that and what the ramifications of his newest prophecy could be. Dynamite preview next week. Check it out. Work. Yeah. yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. No. Oh, sorry. I've, oh, I've messed up my notes here because I've got a woman's match in the first hour. <laughs> sorry, this is Willow Knight. There's again. such dicks with this. Yeah. Guess where it would happen. That's not the, not the penultimate segment, so, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? There's still one of them. There's still a hard break. A uh, hard ad break. Harder than about. Jim Ross's cock. <laughs> we talked about is this piece of card on the run sheet that either says Jay Cargill squash or J- whoever Jay Cargill's hmm. facing squash or outcast stuff. And then just flip it around each week, right? It's just like it either goes... Penultimate match on the card or second match on the card. Here we are. Soraya versus Willow Nightingale. And it felt like, oh, here we go again. The Soraya and the Outcast, they use the numbers and oh, the referee's distracted. And oh, they win the game. And the L. And see you next week. <laughs> but they subverted our expectations brilliantly here. Um, initially, Nightingale is smart to Soraya's cheating because she's been around her and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho load. She hits a drop kick off the second rope, but then, of course, Soho takes the ref and Storm trips Nightingale. That allows Soraya to take over with a running boot. Um, Soraya takes the ref and Soho and Storm are laying in some shots. This happened several times during the uh, commercial break. Uh, Nighting- Pretty much the bulk of the match. Yeah, Nightingale comes back with a big spine buster. Uh, Soraya hits her with a nightcap for a near fall. Uh, she comes back, does Nightingale with a DVD, but Storm takes the ref. Soho gets in the ring, gets pounced right into the ropes. That looked like it sucked. Um, Storm eats a shot as well, but Soraya uses the opportunity to finish her with the good night, the fisherman's buster that she's got for the one, two, three. I'm like, okay, very good, do this spray paint thing. But as they're doing that, who should make their return? But Hikaru Shida. She comes down with a kendo stick. She's threatening the outcasts. And then she suddenly smiles, drops the kendo stick, and hugs and joins the outcasts. How could you, Hikaru? Um, and it looks like she's going to be the one to do the spray painting. But she's, she's gesticulating with it. Who should pop out from under the ring? Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. They jump up, up onto the ring apron. Shida smirks. It's all been a big swerve. She sprays Soraya in the eyes. Uh, the outcasts get all laid out. Shida spray paints AEW on all of them. What a great swerve this was. I was watching this earnestly and going, ah, don't turn Sheeta heel. Mm. She's like, uh, you know, she's a day one Doesn't make any sense, yeah. She's beloved. Big merch shifter. She's like one of the folk heroes of AEW. And no one wants to boo her. And like, what are you doing this for? I should have known something was up. I thought everything apart from the match... 
which was brutalized by commercial break and was agented in autopilot and it never stood a chance of getting over because it was a means to an end. But thankfully, the ends were really, really good here. Um, so I was worked by the swerve and I should have been because it just felt so rote as it was unfolding that I thought this is too cliched even for Tony Khan booking women. <laughs> Honestly, it's like something's happening here because it's too matter of fact and too cliched. So I shouldn't have got work, but I did. I thought this was a really good bit of business for once. I'll tell you one thing though, like it's a bit of a cell phone when Tony Khan has made the intervening move to basically negate the Pillars tournament. Can't be doing that for the men's AEW title. Come on. Every single week, oh, well, the Nightingale can go f*** herself because <laughs> it's a women's match. Who cares about the cheating? You know, you yeah. can't. When you're inconsistent, you sometimes illuminate other things mm -hmm. that you might not intend to. Yeah, the um, physicality from Willow Nightingale, I think, was designed to, like, try and offset how piss-boiling the interference was. The pounce kicked ass. So, like, her getting her, like, physical revenge Ruby on... sold it brilliant. Yeah. She did. Like, and... Ruby Soho, I'm not on first name terms. <laughs> but uh, the, the, sale, the sale of that was really great. Tony Storm... Finally getting got by Willow Nightingale was this like very cathartic moment, but more because you were just getting frustrated at mm -hmm. the come on. Like then not only has Willow not got any friends until like after the match, but this refereeing sucks. Like the I thought it was all deliberately on the nose. What it exposed was not ideal. Yeah. It's like it's a sort of a lightweight version of like Sidgwick's very reasonable complaint about, oh no, the bloodline are running in. You could have foreseen this. Like, there's, yeah. there's sometimes a lay on so thick, it gets a bit annoying rather Do you ever say that in the SmackDown review? Entertaining? Yes. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> You're an absolute mark. <laughs> but um, I absolutely loved how the rest of it played out. The mirroring of Hater and Baker being under the ring as the outcasts were for the Jericho beatdown the week before. So they've learned from the heels' tricks and... The heels wouldn't think they'd be too obnoxious to think they're gonna they wouldn't possibly do that to us and they did it was great and with Sheeda, again like when I said at the start of the podcast about this kind of restored a bit of faith where did we last see Hikaru Shida she's been binned off by Paige and Tony Storm and it was when sorry Soraya and it was when Soraya was a baby face we were like what a dick mm. how dare she pie Hikaru Shida like this and Hikaru Shida was left in two minds about what to do and in kayfabe she's gone away and she's actually thought about it and made a choice. And I thought there was quite a lot of warmth to Sheeda and Baker putting aside like old feuds. It's put over how serious, in inverted commas, this threat of the outcasts is because they've even put their old wars aside because they're fighting for the bloody heart and soul of this company. And if there's one thing that losers on the internet love, it's the bloody heart and soul of this company. So in context, it makes sense. Mm. The baby face is fighting for the initials. But, like, it'll make for a good... It makes... This is where the root of this story needs to be. Mm. Like... I did, in general, with all of this. The BCC elite's different, I guess. I cared more about AEW before I was totally asked to care about it all of the time. Mm. Well, before we go any further... It's time to play the game! Time to play time the game! Ha, ha, ha! is hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out as always to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton 4 and Jose Palomares at the Ho 11 who always take care of the um, data for this one. Um, Sidge, 
You, as always, have uh, noted down our timings. So let's run through them in descending order. Oh, I'm working out one I refuse to look it up. <laughs> or look it down. Ooh. Ooh. Partner's just sent me a picture of a kebab. It's a, new, it's a new place opened where I live. Wait there, wait there. He's talking about his professional partner. It was me. Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> look, at, look at this. My wife. <laughs> Make your choice. Chicken shawarma or lamb shawarma? Lamb. Lamb shawarma's goaded. Lamb shawarma. Can you get it mixed? Well, I'm obviously going to do that. That's what you do, yeah. I'm get obviously going to do that. Right, just put that down. I made uh, chicken teriyaki last night, Sige. I'll show you a picture later. Nice. Get in there. Was it a HelloFresh joint? It was a, I don't know if they Gusto. Gusto. Both of those companies are more than welcome to sponsor. Yeah. Speaking I'd of, put them over to the Hilt. Yeah. Speaking of food-related companies, we haven't had an opportunity to talk about this. Did you see that video doing the rounds of Booker T ordering his takeaway? Yeah. yeah. During the, well, like the Indy Hartwell promo, yeah. promo. What do I want? What do I want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get well soon, Indy. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did like the tweet that someone said to me. I hope you don't get it delivered to the car park. It's <laughs> <laughs> good that. Because of all people to take it, it'd be Indy Hartwell. It'd be a revenge attack. Well, who could have taken it? Indy Hartwell. In descending order, let's have a look at this teriyaki. There you go. Hang on. That's with the uh, little paratha. You were right to show it to me first. It doesn't look bad at all, that. Well done, mate. Uh, in descending order, for the first... In condescending order, I think it looks bloody lovely. <laughs> I couldn't do that. You couldn't eat it because you've got such basic bitch taste. What's in teriyaki? It's like uh, a bit of Chinese rice wine in there, a bit of soy sauce, lime, honey. Yeah. You've said anything that disagrees with me. Peas. I've had peas before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rice. Come on. You like rice, don't you? Yeah, of course I do. Like chicken. Like a little little paratha. Condiments rooted in vinegar is my issue. And I don't think there's anything there that would get in the way of that. What do you like with citrus? Yeah, fine. Guess what? Guess what type of chicken it was as well? Chicken thighs. I know you like them. Chicken thighs. I like chicken thighs. Yeah. Anyway, what are we doing? Oh yeah. In descending order, in our attempts to identify to the hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the first entrance theme of the the obligatory woman's march. Oh, we haven't done the gimmick yet, have we? Yeah, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> name the game. Name the I'm game. I'm getting bored of that. <laughs> and the button's too long as well. Well, we'll workshop all of this. Will Adam Willborn? No hours, 25 minutes and two seconds. Yeah. Michael Sidgwick, me, one hour, 18 minutes, 24 seconds. Michael Hamflet, one hour, 21 minutes and six seconds. Way off. Um, Are we, uh, well, it's just about to drop something that we haven't announced yet, but reminders after the fact. Yeah. yeah cool. I want a conversation with you about food. Oh. Uh, yeah. 30 minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. Soraya Willow Nightingale match, which means did, did uh, does that mean the uh, the point goes to to Michael Hamflet or or Michael Sidgwick, Matt Hardy? No, 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 no. <laughs> thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt Hardy, because I have been by Matt. Matt. I have been pay attention, please. Doesn't make sense. No. Uh, <laughs> Although me and Sidge were like Jeff Hardy and Hook there and just ignoring. Oh, Good one. Bye, Isaiah. <laughs> uh, Bye, credible television. I've doubled my score. <laughs> I've got two for the year now. Trophy's back within touching distance. Yeah. Just so long as I don't have to disappear from this podcast for a prolonged period of time around the summer, 
because um, <laughs> personal things. I'll be oh, here. We go back on track, baby. I love the idea that like if during those like physically and emotionally exhausting times for you, but they're joyous as well. But you might think, you know what? I need a break from this. I'll come into work. I'll pick one day. Uh, Tuesdays, like <laughs> first, like racing and she's like, we're reviewing raw. I'm previewing NXT. Yes, please. <laughs> That's me easing myself back in. Uh, uh, yeah, five points to the Dudleys because they're far better at this than I am. Dozing off on the job and then just waking up and uh, so, oh, I wish I was the turnbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, then we get a little vignette from the Hesivibleg. Um, the trio's titles are tainted. That's their words, not mine. I didn't mean to, you know, I know you don't like alliteration. No, it's the work of our souls. Uh, they, uh, so they introduce the open house. Uh, any three people teaming up can get a shot of the titles. There's a catch. There's new house rules. 20-second count-outs. No rope escapes. Uh, and DQ is enforced. Dealer's choice. Uh, and they've got dark titles. And they say, welcome to the open house. What was it about rope breaks? None, wasn't it? No rope escapes, yeah. No rope breaks or anything like that. Right, okay. Um, is it advisable to change the rules of these <coughs> trios titles over the long term? I'm not sure. Does this exist because, spoiler alert, the acclaimed the number one contenders, and they can do, like, scissors stuff, but the doesn't matter if the ropes are broken. I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't get this. But I will let it play out. Of course I will. Yeah, this was, like, a bit desperate and grabby, but I quite liked it. Mm. I think it's going to come to define their run. I don't know if they'll keep the rules after the House of Black leaves the belts. It wasn't made clear if this was there, like, because they called them open house or house mm. rules. Like, Why is it up to them? Well, exactly. I but because this division is a joke, but it can be a really, really funny joke because the matches can kick ass. And then it can almost be like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you booked stuff around these matches that kick ass? I think it'll, like, add a bit of much-needed identity and flavour to their specific run with the belts. So I quite like it. Um it still doesn't really feel like the left hand knows what the right is doing as it relates to the trio's division full stop. Yes. But identity is good for it. And no one knows what the invisible hand's doing. So, I think I do. Oh. I might preview next week. Uh, then it was time for Tres de Mayo Battle Royal. <laughs> <laughs> Dickhead. An absolute wanker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> an absolute wanker. <laughs> you had... Uh, acclaimed Lucha Bros uh, with Vikingo, of course. Kip Sabian and Butcher and the Blade. Varsity Athletes and Ari Davari. QTV uh, and uh, the Dark Order. QTV attacked the Acclaimed before Bowen's even got his line in. Um, I did like there was a spot in there where Penta went to do his Zero Miedo and got scissored. That's good stuff. Phoenix did his rope walk, punted Tony Nice off the apron to the floor. And... His tiny knees, of course, yes. Um, Vikingo eliminated Josh Woods with Hurricane Rana. Um, a corkscrew kick by Solo allowed uh, QT Marshall to eliminate Reynolds, and they're celebrating, but then they both get dumped out of there. Um, Hobbs takes out the Lucha Bros, who just eliminated them. Uh, and I thought, oh, no, let's guess it's all down to Vikingo then. And then he immediately got eliminated um, by Hobbs via press slam. A waste of Vikingo. What a total and utter waste. Um, just anointed him as the most spectacular wrestler on planet Earth. I mean, uh, this is one of the few flaws I had with this week's Dynamite. Mm. Uh, Hobbs is very happy with himself, but he got then eliminated by the Acclaimed. Uh, and whilst they're celebrating, Max Caster got eliminated by the Butcher. Uh, you got John Silver, Butcher, Blade, Sabian, 
uh, Gunn and Bowens. Silver runs wild for a bit, um, but the numbers game catches up to him. He gets eliminated. Um, Bowens at one point runs wild, gets thrown over the top and literally holds on by one hand. Uh, him and Daddy Ass come back into it. They hit stereo fame asses uh, and they eliminate Butcher and Sabian to win it. The acclaimed and Daddy Ass are your new number one contenders. Thought it was a worthless <laughs> use of Vikingo. Like very, very wasteful. I didn't like that at all. He just came off as someone who's just a guy. How could the guy who had that match with Kenny Omega feel like just another member of the roster? Bad, bad star presentation. Just really weird and thoughtless. I got a bit of that with Hobbs as well, in truth. I saw what they were building. but I saw what they were trying to do with Hobbs, where he looked like just miles above these little feckless idiots <laughs> with whom he surrounded himself. His characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah... The butcher scissoring was really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, T- yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Tell you what really helped this match for me. John Silver's spot was nice. John Silver's got this battle royal law where he's quite good at them. The butcher and the blade, yeah. that was more emphasized on commentary. So, you know, they do think about these things. I wasn't blown away by the match. There weren't many subplots leading to anything else in a division that desperately needs more depth and storytelling focus. So I thought it was a missed opportunity there. I'll tell you what I adored about this match, and it happened for two minutes. Anthony Bones is an explosion of a professional wrestler. Mm. He looked like he was fighting for his life. Everything he did, he looked like he was just surging across that ring. He is a great professional wrestler, and it didn't really strike me how great he will be in the trios context until I saw him here. So his individual performance, I thought, was excellent, and it really got me hyped on what he can do with the likes of Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black particularly, but otherwise this was kind of just there. I was a bit higher on this, but I think maybe it's because I was rooting for the acclaimed a little bit more than the Lucha Brothers and Vikingo. Uh, Vikingo versus Malachi Black, mate. Uh, I, think, had. I think all that stuff will come. I think like this is the best use of the acclaimed in the current, like in terms of the whole show where the acclaimed are an act that need to feature rather than what are you laughing at? I just think now you can get daddy ass kicking out of that brutal spin kick of Malachi's at 3.1. Yeah. <laughs> and when he was like, well, uh, Goblin drops now, so. The Malachi Black, uh, sorry, the Broody King daddy ass standoff will be yeah. awesome. Like Max Caster doing raps about goths. Yes. So great. Like, I, I really love that pairing, especially you see acclaimed at the moment. Um, so I was glad they won. I love. Butcher and Blade, Battle Royal Law, because the day they turn babyface is when it's going to be down to two teams and the other teams are heels as well. And then you're going to be rooting for the Butcher. Yeah. Finally, they're going to win one. Like, that's going to be fantastic. Um, so, I, and I was just a bit more into the action. I do, I've got worries about, well, it's ended up being the Rampage match, hasn't it? The Lucha Brothers and Vikingo versus QTV. Mm. Like, I've got worries for, not all six of them, Hobbs and the other three. But at least you get this match out of the way now and you assume the faces win and Hobbs has no reason to hang around with these guys. Is the, the plan to use Geo's titles? Yeah. It's going to be the end of QTV as a we know it. Brutal babyface turn is coming Hobbs' way. Yeah, it's, see, I would say QTV has been a failure and the recent on-screen developments within AEW indicate that they themselves mm-hmm. think it's been a failure, but I've never, you know, I've never worked in wrestling, so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, this is one of the things that I knew you'd love. Renee Paquette's backstage with Sammy Guevara. MJF comes in, and, MJ- and Guevara's like, sure, mate. I watched the footage from last week. Automatically better than the best episode of Raw. Uh, this <laughs> 7.8 or 7.7 episode of Dynamite was automatically better than the very best episode of WWE Monday Night Raw after 
1998. He said, look, I saw there was no one in the back of that car when you just bailed on me last week. Uh, but MGF's a bit emotional uh, because over for over a year now, he's had chronic back pain, so he needed the entire back seat to lay down. Because on. he's been carrying the company. Because he's been carrying back. the company, yes. Um, he's a horrible friend. You deserve better, Sammy. He goes to leave. And uh, Sammy just grabs his hand or grabs his arm uh, and they smile and Sammy kisses his forehead and MJF reveals he's got a mashed up theme for the two of them. Oh my God. And they hug cheek to cheek and everything's fine. Love this. I again mourn that we didn't get more of this between 2019 and 2021 slash two. She can't have MJF do this now. He's above it, but he's so good at it. Yeah, just this double act is so, so good. Uh, MGF, you ever watch Community? Mm-hmm. Was the guy called Joel? Was that his real that name? was his real name. Jeff? He's called Jeff. Jeff yeah. He had this line where there's, a, I think, one of the girls, oh, we had a chemistry together. He's like, I have chemistry with everybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> MGF? Yeah. Really disappeared of his own arse community, didn't it? Yeah. I like it just as a, like, it wasn't even like super clever, but it was a very sophisticated comedy. And then it seemed to get obsessed with being sophisticated and stop being funny. I might chin it over the weekend. Or hit it. Just, just watch it a lot. <laughs> I think by about like season three, you're good. I think you get to that point and it's like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm going to finish, yeah, up to season three. Yeah. I'll watch some Jonathan Creek over the weekend, probably. <laughs> Kenny Rager and Don Callis are backstage. They're talking about Mox and the steel cage. Callis goes, look at this. Camera zooms in on that awesome scar he's got. You know, we want to wish it on anyone, but it does look badass. He's got all the stitches there. He's in the right industry for a scar like that as well, isn't he? Yeah. He's a class, man. Uh, he has to look at this every day because of what Mox did to him. Um, and he says, I know, Moxie, you could have the hardest hands in wrestling, but with my brain and Omega's talent, uh, you're going to find out and it all come to an end. Um, Omega said, look, you might make us both bleed in that cage. Everything comes to an end in Detroit next week. You made it personal, Moxie, with what you did to the books, to Keshta, Callis, and that's it. <laughs> Not missing anyone there, Ken? I like the subtext nice. of this promo, if I'm being brutally honest, far more than the delivery. Kenny Omega is my favorite wrestler of all time. I think if there is such a thing as an objective criteria to measure the very best, I think it's him. Uh, but sometimes, particularly when he's trying to channel a vengeful babyface intensity, it just doesn't suit him. Mm. And I feel like this wasn't his best promo work. Um, and That might be a euphemism. Didn't seem to know where the camera was. Or yeah. It was just odd, this. It was just odd. Um, see the clip of him from All Access. I saw this on Twitter today. Uh, I think it's Baker, Britt Baker sat with him going, have you get sick of doing all the five-star matches? And he's just sort of chuckling away there. <laughs> like he's, he's obviously quite a modest guy. And he's just like... Just what he does. He yeah. just does goes out there and there you go. When he's on a pre-tape, I think he's in the conversation for best in the world. You put him in the live context of cutting a promo and it's as hit and miss as I think anyone has ever got. I think he's too naturally aloof with some of the messaging sometimes. Yeah. Especially the sort of stuff what he was doing here. Like he gets when he, he wants to be a dickhead, he is, oh my God. Mm, yeah. Fantastic. When he's presenting himself as this incredible professional wrestling legend with the absolute loftiest standards. He's amazing, but yet he can't do this rule very well. I think the biggest endorsement we can say is Kenny Omega's so good, he made us once watch an episode of Impact. So. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> he 
got a lot of. He, he was instructed, obviously. Well, not instructed. He was. He knew that his job really was to make us all go. Oh, he didn't say Hangman Page, yeah. and that was fine. Should he have sold a massive match? I think he should have. Yeah, I know Callus was the person to do that, but, but both of them illustrated um, how massive this was and how earth shattering it's going to be. And we're on, and we are like kind of being led to believe they're on different pages, like. Oh, Kenny, yeah, you're right, Don. This is going to be massive. You don't know why Don thinks this is going to be massive, yeah, Kenny, yeah. and I'm really worried mm-hmm. for you. Like, and when was the last time that you and Moxley did something where Callus was involved? It was really massive. That was a surprise, but you were in on that surprise. You're not in on this one. I'm really scared. Like, that him getting to be thinking he was kind of on top of things by not mentioning Hangman Page when really he's missing what might be in front of him, I think is pretty good stuff. I'm like, this is the thing about this elite BCC. Nobody can quite nail down why we're not all feeling maybe what we should be and why the suspense is not about the match at Double or Nothing but about exactly what it looks like and who's in it. Like, I think the mystery, the various mysteries that they've kind of like laid out here have been far more captivating than a lot of the direct action and the promos themselves. Danielson resolved that for me somewhat last night, but I want to see more of everything with this. I think, I think I'm so, so hyped for the cage match. I think that's going to be... We've said this already. I think it's going to be their best work and quite special as well. Yes, we'll save that for the preview, though. Mm. Uh, what do I give the people what they want? <laughs> squashed Logan Larue in uh, short order. Do the gun, clothesline, lariat, powerbomb symphony. Yeah, here's what it is. Um, post-match, he gets the mic and says, I've had enough. Open challenge. Let's have it out. Let's have a bare-knuckle fight, then. Bring out your monster, Christian Cage, and we'll do this. Cage comes out, says, Ugh, I'm not doing it here in Baltimore. Ugh. Um... And he said, anyway, the title shot doesn't belong to Luchasaurus. It belongs to me. Love that twist. Yeah, great subversion, this. What you want? You kind of want... I want want both, to be honest. But I want this one more. Because Wardlow, at some point, needs to break through into the can he work a lengthy back and forth. Like, I hate that that has to be the way. But fans evidently are growing a little bit weary of this great squash match slash sprint brawl formula. If he's going to be the top, top guy in a, in 2023, particularly in a company like AEW, he needs to go 15-20 and keep the fans' attention. And what an education Christian Cage, master craftsman, will give him in that discipline. The last time Tony Khan did such a good job of putting two people together was Max Caster and Mickey Bones. Arn Anderson has stood by that man and Wardlow's got his groove back. Like it's You're saying it like it is what it is. It's a Wardlow squash. But wrestling's about intangibles, and he's working with them again. He's got his confidence back. There's something in his eyes. Like, this is, I feel like, an overnight incredible fix, this Arn Anderson thing. It's just, like, maybe it's a shoot. Maybe he's getting in his ear backstage mm. and telling him, go and be the man that you were six months ago. What I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I feel like the power's back. I feel like the magic's back with Wardlow. He still it's, needs to change his gear. Yeah. Do not like the swimming costume versus the RVD <laughs> shot. Like, like I, Pete Dunlock. Yeah. Ugh. Is, has he done that? Has he cut those legs off to pivot to eventually just trunks? Because that's traditionally what main eventers wear instead of the singlet. I don't just know. Just do it all in one. Yeah. But I think Wardlow's finding his way back. I really do. What do you get when you drop your cutlery at the beach? You get a sandy fork, which is where we're heading next in Delaware to the uh, Briscoe well, that, Farm. Like, best AW comedy segment in ages. Wilborn sees that and be like, I think I can better this. Yeah. Um, but he can't. No. No. Um, I don't know what... The, is there a technical term for all four? I've written Triple J here, but it's not Triple J because that's the tag I team. I wish they had a stable name. It Triple was, J-A-S? 
It was no, Planet Jarrah when Triple he was no. when he was at his worst in TNA. It was Planet Jarrah, and I love that name. That's what I use as yeah, yeah in articles and such. Uh, yeah, Lethal Duck, Jarrett Singh. They're over to Briscoe's house. They're there to to help on the farm as a sign of good faith uh, and an apology for all the misunderstanding recently. Um, I've rewatched this as I think all of us have quite a few times. Dem birds, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, Sanjay and Satnam have got their they called coveralls. Yeah. Um, the best, and is the second of the things. Uh, I think it was either I think it was Sanjay who said the camera crew is here to document everything. Yeah, so no invisible camera. Aye, it's one of those where it's like they work around it so much that it's almost as much of a contrivance. Yeah. But I would prefer <laughs> it this way around. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett complains about all the smell of chicken. Sh- oh, come on now, Jeff. Let's get in there. <laughs> And I knock on the door, and, and Mark, Mark <laughs> answers the door, and Jarrett goes, oh, what a cute little girl there. <laughs> Mark goes, boy, it's the best. Let's go to work. Uh, thoughts on Jeff Jarrett on a ride on mower? Oh, Jesus Christ. I've not popped for, like, a wrestler on a vehicle that big since Brock tipped the ring on its side at <laughs> SummerSlam. What a visual. What's it? Like, again, like, this was... There was a... Uh, Jeff Jarrett was obviously... Loathed pretty much of his TNA run, not by me, but no. loathed for like kind of just wanting to do it all. Some weeks he was Stone Cold Steve Austin, some weeks he was <laughs> Triple H, and then some weeks he wanted to like master the art of like outside the ring physical comedy. There's a funeral that they hold for Team 3D that is just classic. I think more people know Double J M Double MMA, yeah, like where he's like got the ankle lock on a kid. Underrated in this, like outside the ring, he just gets. I think he understands how things are going to look mm. on camera, and he plays up to that, and that like. Low angle shot of him like on the farm machinery, just inspired. Yeah, like the campfire vibe to the guitar bit before he can like really dive into with my baby tonight. Oh, I love him. Everything he does is perfect. He booked Wembley. Mm. Like, what a gift to AEW. Jeff Jarrett has been, and I was that one little boy that knew it. Uh, yeah, so he's one about- day he's going to ruin it. Yeah, he will ruin this. You will. He, he's about to play when uh, Papa Briscoe walks up. Jarrett offers him his rocker. He's got a baby first turn in him now. Yeah. He's the most over he's ever been. People love him. They love to hate him. At some point, he's got the baby face run. Then you know what? You give him the belt. Like, got a tweet this morning. Which should be MGF. I was going to say. Got a tweet this morning. I think it was Joe. I apologize if it wasn't. But you can write this one down in advance. Like, somebody tweeted me. Brief woo. I was like, yeah. That's how like, passionate I feel. Project Jarrett at this point. That's what she called Project Jarrett? Yeah. Um, so there's a lovely image where Papa Briscoe's trying to talk some sense into Mark going, he's balance. Uh, but all the crew, despite being obvious heels, are just awesome. Yeah, having a lovely time with the baby. Uh, and uh, he's like, especially that bloody idiot in coveralls. I was like, which one? Both of them. Both of them. <laughs> uh, anyway, they've got Mark a match on Rampage to continue his winning ways. Um, and Lethal and Jarrett say, oh, well, well Lethal says, well, we've beaten both members of FTR, tag team title shot, double or nothing. Uh, and then they wrap their arm around Mark Briscoe. And I say, eh, we got any strategy? How do we beat him? And he's like, is that all this has been about? And Jarrett's like, come on, let's go <laughs> fishing. And you tell us how to beat him. This was a masterpiece. This was so good. So many brilliant sight gags. Yeah. Such an inspired idea. 
Like, there's levels to how brilliant this is. It's not just some silly skit they've done. There are levels to how brilliant this is. You present Mark Briscoe, someone that the AEW fan base has already fallen head over heels in love with, and he's just a nice bloke with a baby. You also present him as the guy who looks the dumbest but is, in fact, the smartest later on, but they've done a nice thing for him, so he's going to hear them out. They've balanced the contrivance of making a wrestling plot happen at the same time as the babyface has his integrity. It's like Austin 98 here stuff, <laughs> <laughs> almost. Um, I loved the gag where the implication is that they've just been having a nice little sit down with a guitar for like half an hour and he's about to get to the encore. They've just been doing it all day. <laughs> yeah. That baby has just been captivated the entire time. Um, the visual as well of it in, in Satnam Singh's hands and arms was yeah. great. And just the idea of, ah, oh, so that's why all of these have been banded together in the way that they have. And it's not just any old tag team. There's connections out the ass between, yes, <laughs> between FTR and the Briscoes and Jay Lethal and FTR. And just that carny arsehole Jeff Jarrett is manipulating everything to his whims and potential advantages like a snake this is perfect professional wrestling and i adored this segment it just every character knows who they're supposed to be here like mark briscoe how they've played with mark briscoe's full naivety when really it's the heels are naive and we're all in it with mark knowing mm. that he's it's not that stupid it's great because there's that dramatic irony to it, isn't there? The heels think, like, it's Jeff Jarrett tapping his head, as he always does in the yeah, matches. Yeah, yeah. Got him this time. Well, we all know that's not the case, but we get to watch that play out too. It's like a little bit of theatre within their theatre, and it's it's just wonderful. And again, if, I keep saying this, that match is going to be so heated. I'm just concerned that the referee, you know, keeps getting distracted, so you might need someone who's, you know, a bit wiser to that the, sort of thing as a special guest referee. Jeff Jarrett has an actual established problem with an official. Who's going to ref this match? Aubrey? No. No, no, no. I've got the man right here. Yeah. Look, he can't decide. He's friends with Jay um, Lethal and he's forged a bond with FTR because of their classic trilogy. That's the most impartial, not that Aubrey Edwards. This is perfection. This is absolute perfection. And I was thinking about this. If this skip doesn't happen on this week's Dynamite, what do I think of the show overall? Yeah. <laughs> Elevating and everything. When you're not, like, innovating and coming up with something brand new, you borrow from the best. So Jeff Jarrett and Mark Briscoe on a fishing trip. Where have we seen fishing trips being used to expert? Oh, my God. On NXT, guys. Get them on the boat. Wherever you get your podcasts from. Get them on the boat. Just go back week. and listen to the, well, the beginnings of 2.0 from then to now, probably. I would. Copy it beat for beat. Yeah. Oh, no, I meant the listeners catch up on NXT because no one watches that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we got Ricky Starks versus Juice Robinson. Um, Excalibur explains no Sean Spears, so Starks hasn't got any backup. But Jay White's like, hey, why do Juice handle this all by himself? Forget his connections again as Tony. Where's Action Andre? Uh, you sense that Ricky Starks is glad he's forgetting his connections. Yeah. <laughs> Starks, clotheslines uh, Juice to the floor, sends him into the barricade. Um, Juice comes back, though, sends Starks into the ring steps, sets him up, but Starks avoids avoids them. Post Robinson walks up the steps and body slams him to the floor to take us to a break. Uh, when we come back, Starks is making a comeback. Um, hits a spinning DDT. That looked brutal. 
for a nice near fall. It looked fall. like it went wrong, but so right I thought at the same time. Yeah, I thought it was like knocked a bit loopy for a second because there appeared oh, to be a couple right of then. miscommunications mm. afterwards that I tied to that. Uh, but Juice comes back, sets up for his Juice's loose finisher. Starks avoids it. <laughs> Juice Robinson chops him in the throat. Uh, but uh, misses the scissors kick. Uh, Ricky Starks hits the spear, hits the Rochambeau, gets the one, two, three. Jay White immediately blindsides Ricky Starks. Sets up for the Blade Runner, but Starks counters. Sets up for the Rochambeau, but Juice Robinson pulls Jay White uh, away and saves him at the last second. We all know where this is heading. I found all of this a little bit dispassionate, to be honest. I d- didn't sense that, like... I watched this at a remove. Yeah, I just, there's no rivalry. I was asking Sidgwick this morning, have I missed a detail in the commentary over the weeks where Jay White and Ricky Starks' actual personal distaste for one another has been fleshed out, or is it just Ricky and Juice had something and Jay White is Juice's mate, but what you're being asked to buy is the mate versus Ricky Starks because it's a bigger and better match. It's non-kayfabe reasons why you're into this, and the wrestlers themselves have never fleshed out versus the convenience of you fought my mate I'll fight you stuff they've never said anything to the effect to the effect and as far as my memory goes of you're a star on the rise I need to come to AEW and defeat someone who matters to take their spot and that would be the most basic boring NXT 2019 ass (laughs) plot development there is but they haven't even done that yet yeah Hamlet's Bang on with this. I just don't understand the personal issue between these two men because it's... If you look from the... Er, Juice Robinson challenges Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, likes, like most of us, goes, Huh? <laughs> Craziest thing that happened in my life, man. Yeah. Was it? Then, all right, okay, well, that he's beneath him. All right, okay, he's a decoy to the person who's on his level. Why do they hate each other? Why Sean Spears here? Where's Action Andretti? Let's just have a feud. But like you say, it's the NXT thing of like, oh well, get Jay White and Ricky Starks on the night. So yeah. it's it's a it's a Ricky Starks first. Now he's mates with Action Andretti. Now he's mates with Sean Spears. And now he's having feuds with. Uh, <laughs> um, contain yourself. Uh, we got a history of the firm Matt Hardy and private. Guess party. what wasn't included in the video package? What's that? The disaster that was on Rampage, which was the big heat angle, the build of the match. Maybe the person editing it said, uh, can we put this in? And Tony Khan probably said, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, it's the hey. worst performance I've seen in AEW. And I've watched Dark. <laughs> <laughs> hey, save it all. We've got to talk about something on the preview tomorrow. Um, I have actually seen a tweet of something that I was like, oh, that's actually quite good. But we'll save that for the preview tomorrow. Um, Darby Allen and Jack Perry, best mates, hyping, he, hyping themselves up for the main event. Uh, Darby Allen leaves, MJF sneaks in, slithers in, uh, and says, Hey, why don't you betray him tonight? I'll give you a spot next to the throne, seeing as you're not world championship material. No. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? You simp Dominic Mysterio every day of your life. Because <laughs> he's goaded. Um. <laughs> Do you remember what Jack Perry says? He don't want to be next to the throne. He wants the crown. Uh, Darby Allen walks back in as MJF leaves and goes, what the bloody hell's been going on in here? And uh, John Boy's like, don't worry about it. Uh, I wouldn't do that. And uh, goes to fist bump him and says, hey, we got this. Darby goes, no, I've got this, you prick. 
Is this rapidly approaching? I like this. I'll go to the MJF stuff after. What's this? Have we just talked about this? Yeah, that was, the, that was basically it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, have we reached a point where it's like, Jungle Boy isn't it? Time to turn him heel. Maybe. I think we've reached that point, you know. It's this it's a shame because like I like the bloke. He's worked so many great matches. Like a really underrated amount of great matches in AEW so mm. far, I think. And he they've done everything right, but that you can do everything right and sometimes it just doesn't click. And there's a lack of click here. And I think that sometimes he can present himself as a little edge lord. Yeah. You're a pussy, Christian Cage, and all that. It's like on 4chan, mate. Like, I really like Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. I think he's great. Um, he was more likable. And I know that's by design, where it's like, oh, he can't be this likable all the time. He's got to be a main eventer. And it's like, all right, okay, well, now he's like a bit of a bit of an edgelord type. Mm. A bit like bitter sometimes. He's not very good at zingers. Like, I think the whole character development is part of the Christian Cage feud, while the correct thing to do on paper might have done him in. I don't know if that's like just something that's isolated to this feud. I, maybe you can't do this, but I feel like you can book a four-way program where the idea is all four of them believe themselves to be the best now, whereas they all kind of came up together. You can do that, I think, without every week feeling like you need to reduce the status of some to elevate mm. others. feels like there's like you're looking at like not four, three moving graphs, three moving bar graphs. Where every week it's like, oh, Darby Allen can't talk anymore. Boop, 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 boop. Like Jungle Boy's a better babyface. And then Sammy Guevara has had like some rubbish weeks, and then all of a sudden tonight it's like boop, 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 Guevara's over again. Surely he can just preserve the status of all three at the same time. It's MJF for me, and he's because he's above them for real. <laughs> but like I don't know. For us at the start of this, it was like Darby Allen's the best. These two kind of don't belong. And then almost they've tried to like reduce one to get the others over, and it's like surely he could have done that without having to like bring the others down. Or maybe this is the idea. Maybe it's just, right, go out there and perform. And this is, I know it's not real, but the competitive element of this is who can outperform the other. And maybe that's a byproduct of that. Uh, then we got the match. Um, it was, of course, MGF and Sammy Guevara. Thoughts on their combined theme slash gear stuff? It worked more than most WWE matchups. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they used to just turn one down and turn yeah. one, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I loved it. Um, the gear was enough as well. Just the idea they thought enough just to have enough of a match without yeah. being identical. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they didn't even abide by it either. I still stop. Yeah. Guevara <laughs> um, goes in, gets eats one move, goes, I'm not having this. You can have it, Maxwell. He comes in, almost gets immediately pinned by Darby Allen, and they regroup on the outside. Um, there's a near miscommunication again between uh, Sammy and uh, MJF. Uh, Darby Allen and, and Jack Perry seem to be in tandem. Double shoulder block on MJF. Um, but in amongst all this, uh, the referee um, gets distracted and uh, there's multiple times that Guevara gets in there with, with the scarf to uh, blindside Allen, take control. There's one bit where it almost went wrong. Bryce turns around, but they, they covered for it quite well on commentary. They're like, all right, he should have seen something there, but all he's actually seen is a scarf in the ring. Which doesn't yeah, technically isn't like last week it, yeah. Um, but Darby Allen turns the tables and he chokes Guevara uh, and MJF, I think actually, with the referee distracted again. Um, goes to make the tag finally to to bring Jungle Boy Jack Perry in, but uh, Jack Perry gets pulled off the apron and sent into the barricade. That's when we go to a break. When we come back, Darby makes the hot tag. 
Jungle Boy cleans house, topes everywhere in a big somersault plancher. Um, he hits a tiger driver on Guevara, uh, but MJF manages to cut him off long enough to allow Guevara to recover and hit a Spanish fly for a two count. Um, Darby Allen does some mad bollocks. Uh, hits a code red on Sammy Guevara. Goes one on MJF, but he counters it brilliantly into a sit-out powerbomb. Um, MJF and Guevara do the whole double clap. Here we go. We're both going to do a mad dive. And MJF, of course, doesn't. <laughs> Sammy Guevara launches himself to the floor to take out both of them. Uh, Jungle Boy comes back in, or gets sent back in, gets hit with an MJF DDT for a near fall. Um, and then there's a bit where... Sammy and, and Maxwell keep doing blind tags because they want to be the one really to take the pinfall. And they're both getting a little bit more annoyed with each other. It's like, God, ring. Um, MJF flips. They, they argue. Uh, he slaps Guevara, who kicks him in the face. He turns around to get nailed by a forearm from Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who goes to the pin. He hasn't realized, though, that Darby Allen's blind tagged himself in. And there was a great spot where Jungle Boy's pinning Sammy, looks up. Darby's already in the air for a coffin drop, and Jungle Boy just moves out of the way. Darby hits uh, Sammy Guevara with the uh, coffin drop, gets the one, two, three, and the show ends with them showing it's going to be a four-way for the world title at double or nothing, and MJF seethes on the ramp. I thought this was class. I mm. thought this was great. Like, the again, like the new Hollywood blondes of Guevara <laughs> and MJF. I will mourn the fact that this is gone now. And it can't really happen again because it's something they would have done in their formative years. Because what a tag team. Like the little bits when they're like going to cuddle each other on the apron. Like, it's okay, okay, you tag him. It's all right. So it's just lush. The the Young Bucks-esque pretend to get the crowd going. <laughs> the idea that MGF, obviously he's not going to do a dive. <laughs> <laughs> idiot spot monkeys do that. And that's what I think you are, Sammy Guevara, which informed the finish and the slow realization of now oh, this guy is actually a snake. And I'd rather have my belt and his money. It was all really well done. The actual action towards the finish was breathless when it finally got there, but I thought they paced it and set the scene very well. Um, tell you what, this is the best version of itself currently. Flawed, but the best version of itself is pillar stuff over the past two weeks. I don't know how this done this. I don't, I don't know how this they've done this, sorry. Can you remember um, MJF Day? Mm -hmm. when it was sang Pennies from Heaven and Jack Perry came out to do the run-in and it feeds into Sammy Guevara versus Commander and then Sammy Guevara cuts that too whiny approval even for a heel. <laughs> and you're thinking, ugh. Like Jack Perry's kind of there at this point. Darby Allen feels like that should be the singles match for mm -hmm. them. Yeah, for what is Guevara doing? To go from that promo to the past few weeks, I feel like Sammy Guevara hasn't been as hot or as entertaining as this since, what, 2020? Mm. Double or nothing 2021, maybe. That babyface fiery show. Yeah. You thought he might be somebody. Like, this, he's, been, he's been so endearing, like so unbelievably endearing over the past two weeks. Mm. Like, I kind of fall back in love with the Sammy Guevara character. And for the longest time, I thought I never would. Like, the guy has been amazing. Uh, him and MJF have been amazing. Will Bond's Meg Griffin thing. You put him next to MJF. You're less of an arsehole. Yeah. Right <laughs> the finish I never was, said that. But yeah. The finish to this match was absolutely inspired as well. Like, they've, fight, they've even got the um, Darby Allen, Jack Perry, like, the real one bad flaw, objectively bad flaw of this Tell Don't Show story. They kind of got that right a bit. I don't know how, though. 
this is the big flaw. I don't know how they've made Sammy Guevara more likable than Darby Allen and Jack <laughs> yeah, Perry. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like him more than these two. And that's the wrong way around. But we'll see. They've got lots of time. I think a lot of people have realized that this hasn't worked out as well as they thought. So I think there'll be some course corrects over the coming weeks. I just really loved this from the, I thought the broad stuff with the scarf. I was like, oh, proper wrestling. That's what this business is supposed to be, son. You get out there and you make them pop for nothing. Anyone can fling themselves around. You've got to make them cheer for a scarf spot. Like, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> like, that's, that's a big part of it. I really like that. It's like that Memphis quality that we talk about sometimes. Um, but the details right down to, so like the finish, you're left kind of thinking Darby Allen doesn't care who he hits. He knows the coffin drop's definitely going to get Guevara, so he's going to get the win. But if Jungle Boy gets it too, oh well. Like, yeah. And that's right in keeping with where we're at at the moment and the tensions and stuff, especially because now, only now, can Darby Allen go backstage and be told, you realise MJF was trying to create dissension there. And as long as that's, it doesn't need to be acknowledged like that, but as long as we can believe that Darby Allen was only worked last night, mm. that's fine. Like, I, I think that now it really makes sense and you know that things are a bit testy between them, so that's good. Um, particularly loved the high spot. There was a point where, like, Jungle Boy ascended the top rope and I, like, I've got to shout them out here. I've got to shout out Ashley Reigns. Yeah. Like, took a sign with my face on. Massively appreciate that. She was there with somebody else. Don't know who that was. It but was like, the number one Cedric Mega fan, Matt Reigns, who, incidentally, I hope, and I think he did, have an absolute blast because he deserves it. Never heard of him. But Ashley Reigns, <laughs> massively appreciate that. But no, just like the way in which, so when you had the escalation to the point where you knew MJF wasn't going to do it, and like Sidgwick says, like it's this idea of like, I resent you more for going for that, Sammy Guevara, if you're yeah. MJF's character. But the idea just for a split second that like they could all get whipped into a frenzy. This is happening. This is like, that's what the fo- the magic of the Four Pillars match is going to be. They showed you a glimpse of all that that double or nothing main event can be in a way that we've probably needed for weeks yeah. because the tournament was doing anything but that. They're like, oh, I want to see less of these people. That's, <laughs> that's anti-promotion for a match. This was like bob on in that sense so I, just, I thought they nailed so much here and now is the time to just like isolate little individual bits of heat between the four men whereas they've kind of been doing a bit too much of that before this point uh, I, a really impressive course correction this was hilarious to see your little face behind jungle boys nobody's ever called my face little so <laughs> <laughs> awesome that thanks to uh, to matt and ashley reigns for that one uh let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, including, of course, tomorrow, myself and Michael Sidgwick looking ahead to AEW Rampage and all the fun that show is going to... Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) But for now, this has been the uh, AW Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.